as we put our trust in God, I want to read this passage from Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 through 18, speaking of the incarnation of Christ and of his work on our behalf. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil, and release those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. For indeed he does not give aid to angels, but he does give aid to the seed of Abraham. Therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself has suffered, being tempted, he is able to aid those who are tempted. If you would... Look in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 38. We carry on in the narrative that we looked at last Lord's Day in the afternoon. As the Syrians have surrounded the city of Jerusalem and the people of God are in their bleakest moment, Isaiah falls ill. And this is what the word of God tells us happened in that day. This is the word of God. In those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, went to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I pray, how I have walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. And the word of the Lord came to Isaiah, saying, Go and tell Hezekiah, thus says the Lord, the God of David your father, I have heard your prayer, I have seen your tears, surely I will add to your days fifteen years. I will deliver you and this city from the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this is the sign to you from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing which he has spoken. Behold, I will bring the shadow on the sundial, which has gone down with the sun on the sundial of Ahaz, Ten degrees backward. So the sun returned ten degrees on the dial by which it had gone down. This is the writing of Hezekiah, king of Judah, when he had been sick and had recovered from his sickness. I said, In the prime of my life, I shall go to the gates of Sheol. I am deprived of the remainder of my years. I said, I shall not see Yah, the Lord, in the land of the living. I shall observe man no more among the inhabitants of the world. My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. From day until night you make an end of me. 
I have considered until morning like a lion, so he breaks all my bones. From day until night you make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so I chattered. I mourned like a dove. My eyes fail from looking upward. O Lord, I am oppressed. Undertake for me. What shall I say? He has both spoken to me, and he himself has done it. I shall walk carefully all my years in the bitterness of my soul. O Lord, by these things men live, and in all these things is the life of my spirit. So you will restore me and make me live. Indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness. But you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all my sins behind your back. For Sheol cannot thank you, death cannot praise you. Those who go down to the pit cannot hope for your truth. The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the children. The Lord was ready to save me, therefore we will sing my songs with stringed instruments all the days of our life in the house of the Lord." Now Isaiah had said, let them take a lump of figs and apply it as a poultice on the boil, and he shall recover. And Hezekiah had said, what is the sign that I shall go up to the house of the Lord? There's an old country song. It's called, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to die. Now, perhaps we might think the sentiment of this song, which, by the way, mentions Hezekiah specifically, it goes on to say how Hezekiah, well, he didn't want to die, and the Lord added 15 years to his life. Perhaps we might think there's something a little bit wrong with that sentiment. And yet, how often do we feel and express the same thing? Yeah, it would be great to go to heaven, but I'm not ready to go there yet. I don't really want to die because I love living on this earth far too much. Is that what Hezekiah is expressing here? Is that what we are to emulate, to learn from this passage, that if you don't want to die, just pray and perhaps God will give you some more years to enjoy? Is that what life is all about? A few more years, just a few more things to enjoy. That's really what our goal is. Certainly that's the goal of our society, to just last as long as you can, enjoy life as much as you can, because according to our society, there's nothing else, nothing left after that. You have to enjoy it while you can. Nevertheless, that's not what Hezekiah is really looking for. He's, the song has got him wrong. Let's look at Hezekiah's sickness The grief behind that sickness, which helps us understand where Hezekiah had put his hope and in what or in whom he was really trusting. Now, we see in this passage, Hezekiah's sickness comes during the Assyrian siege, or certainly during the threat of Assyria. In verse 6, part of the promise that the Lord gives to Hezekiah when he says he will heal him is that he will protect the city from the hands of the king of Assyria. I don't know if you can uh, imagine 
what it would be like to be besieged in that city, isolated and shut up with a, a, a wild army surrounding you. But to make matters worse, at this point, Hezekiah falls sick as well. And he's told, you will die. You will not recover. So it's almost like compounding. It was bad enough to be besieged, but now he's sick. And, and perhaps he was trying to ignore his sickness and carry on nevertheless. And that's why God sends the prophet to him and say, by the way, you might be trying to ignore this. You might think, oh, it'll go away. It's not. This is serious. This is a serious illness. And you're not going to recover. We often find ourselves in that same boat just when we think that things couldn't get any worse. Another trial, another difficulty added to us. And as we learn from Scripture, the Lord will never give you more than you can handle. But as someone I know once said, it's surprising how much God knows that you can handle. And here the Lord adds to Hezekiah a sickness on top of his other trials that he's facing. Hezekiah, recognizing the finality of these words from the Lord, turns his face to the wall and prays to the Lord. And the Lord adds 15 years to his life. Now we might think, is this kind of strange that the Lord would come to him through the prophet Isaiah and would say, you are going to die. You're not going to recover. And then, after Hezekiah prays, the Lord relents and gives 15 more years. Well, remember that very often the purpose of the prophetic announcements is uh, to, to bring about a change of action or attitude. Think, for example, of the prophet Jonah preaching in Nineveh. What was his message, his only message? Yet 40 days, and Nineveh will be destroyed. That was it. And the people of Nineveh, somehow or another, realize perhaps the Lord will relent. They, they repented of their sins. They sat about in sackcloth and ashes in great sorrow for their wrongs. And the Lord did indeed relent and turn away his hand of wrath. Um, Much more merciful than Jonah, who was hoping that they would be destroyed anyway. That is the Lord's mercy. And here to Hezekiah, when he says, you will die, you will not live. This is not uh, um, the uh, unalterable plan of God, the hidden and secret uh, plan of God. This is God's proclamation. If nothing changes, this is what's going to happen. And he brings this to Hezekiah to work about a change in Hezekiah's way of thinking and way of life. Now, did Hezekiah really just not want to die? That's the question we're asking here. What was his hope? Was it simply in getting 15 more years? Did he really just love living on earth so much that it was better to stay than to depart and be with the Lord? No, the Lord has brought this into Hezekiah's life for a purpose and for a reason. He wants to focus Hezekiah's mind and heart 
on that which is ultimately valuable, even in the midst of distress. Now, why was it that Hezekiah was so grieved by this pronouncement from the Lord? In, um, in verse 12 here, he says, My lifespan is gone, taken from me like a shepherd's tent. I have cut off my life like a weaver. He cuts me off from the loom. If you imagine a, a loom where um, a weaver is uh, weaving perhaps a, a carpet of some kind, and the threads go in and out, and it grows longer and longer until it gets to the point where it's finished. And at the end, the weaver will come along with a, perhaps a pair of shears and cut it off of the loom, and there it is. Now, this kind of imagery is often used for an individual's life. If you think of, um, uh, in, in, I believe it's in Ecclesiastes, um, the, the, the cord is cut and the golden bowl is broken and man returns to the dust and his spirit to God who gave it. But this imagery as well can um, be used of a generation or of a, a line of people. I believe that that's what Hezekiah is speaking of here. It isn't just Hezekiah himself who has cut off the loom, but it is the line of David which will come to an end if Hezekiah ends his days at this point. We read in 2 Kings 20 to 21 of his son Manasseh that when Hezekiah had reigned and was buried, his son Manasseh began to reign, and he was 12 years old when he began his reign. What does this mean? But this Manasseh, the son and heir of the line of David, was not born at this point in the life of Hezekiah. If Hezekiah dies, he has no heir to his throne. Now, it would be bad enough for Hezekiah to die with an heir to his throne, uh, the Assyrians are around the people with no heir. It seems likely to Hezekiah, perhaps, that the people of God will be utterly destroyed. God's promises will come to naught. His faithfulness in which they have trusted will mean nothing. God's granting 15 more years to his life means that not only will Hezekiah continue to reign in the midst of this trial, but he will have a son and an heir to continue the line of David. This um, perhaps helps us to understand some of the things that Hezekiah says. For example, in uh, verse 19, he says, The living, the living man, he shall praise you as I do this day. The Father shall make known your truth to the, ch to the children. Interestingly enough, in the next chapter, you might remember how the Babylonians sent envoys to King Hezekiah, and he sinfully showed them all the treasures of the house and his pride, and he's rebuked for that. And he's told that the people of God will go into exile in Babylon. And God tells him this through the prophet, Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and what your fathers have accumulated until this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord, and they shall take away some of your sons who will descend from you, 
whom you will beget, and they shall be eunuchs in the palace of the king of Babylon. Hezekiah's uh, response is perhaps uh, under, uh, understood in light of these, these things that happened in chapter 38. He's, the Hezekiah says to Isaiah, the word of the Lord which you have spoken is good. Uh, your people and all your stuff are going to go into exile, Hezekiah, including some of your own descendants. And he says, great. And this is for he said, at least there will be peace and truth in my days. And Hezekiah is still rejoicing in the understanding that his line will not be cut off. God's promises to the line and the house of David will not end. No matter what may happen in future days, yet an heir will come. A king will be raised up for the throne of David and the line of promise will continue. Now, if you uh, read the Old Testament, you'll see that in that cultural context, to not have any children as, a, as, a, as an adult was a very sad thing. Think of, for example, of Hannah, her son Samuel, uh, or Jacob and uh, Rachel, for example. And even today, in many cultures and contexts around the world, it's expected that uh, if, you're, if, you're, uh, if you're married, that you'll have children. And if you're not, then people will feel very sorry for you. I've lived for a short time in Indonesia, where this is very much the case. If you're married and you don't have any children, uh, you are looked down upon by the community around you. Now, our culture is almost the opposite of this. Um, you know, if you have children, it's like, what's wrong with you? Nevertheless, we can understand Hezekiah's grief in terms of this cultural context, that to have children was a blessed thing. But it's more than that, isn't it? Think of God's promise to David. One of your descendants will sit on your throne forever. It's not simply the idea of not having children. But it's the promise of God that's at stake here. Hezekiah, as he prays to the Lord, he's not seeking simply 15 more years to enjoy his life. He's thinking of the promises of God. What is this promise? It's a promise not only to David, but think of the promise to Adam and Eve. The seed of the woman will crush the head of the serpent. Think of the promise to Abraham. Through you, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. The line of promise as it goes through Isaac, through Jacob, through the house of Judah, to David. What is it that Hezekiah is looking for and waiting for as he seeks for the house and the line of David to continue? It is the coming of the Christ, the Messiah who was promised. And this is Hezekiah's hope. This was his joy, not to have 15 more years of toil and trouble in this life. It was to see God's promise continue, his promise to David, that he might have a son and an heir. We could raise and train up in the ways of the Lord. 
Now we know that Manasseh overall was not a good king. He was not faithful to the Lord. We read of that in, in 2 Kings. Nevertheless, through Manasseh, the line continued, the line of promise. And that Manasseh, at the end of his days, did repent and turn to the Lord. Far too often, we fall into thinking like the old country song. I want to go to heaven, but I don't want to die. I love living on this earth far too much, enjoying these things. But if that's our thinking, we can't point to Hezekiah as an example. Hezekiah, rather, is pointing us to look not to our own lives, but to look to Christ and to the, what has For Hezekiah was the promise of his coming, but for us we look back at how in the fullness of time had come. God sent his son, born in human flesh. In contrast to this way of thinking which our society as a whole engages in, that we have to get what we can now, think of the words of scripture, Psalm 90, that we're going to sing in a little bit, as Teach us, O Lord, to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Or think of the words of Ecclesiastes. He says, it's better to go to the house of mourning than the house of feasting. For this is the end of all mankind, and the living will lay it to heart. Where is it that we should be looking? We should consider the shortness of our days. Not looking to to get as many as we can, but looking to Christ, like Hezekiah. What do we see when we look to Christ? See, the Son of God who took upon himself human flesh. As we read from Hebrews 2, he himself bore our infirmities so that he might be made like his brothers in every way. That's like us. He does not help angels, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. That's the church. That's you. The Lord Jesus Christ was descended in the flesh from David according to the promise of God so that he might suffer, that he might share in the weakness of of this life for you and for me. He might die in our place. That's where we should be looking. The resurrection of Christ. We see the first fruits. He was raised from the dead and we know that we will be likewise teaches us that we don't look to ourselves, but we look to that life which is to come. As Paul says, it's better for me to depart, to be with the Lord. While we're here in this life, while we're on the weaver's loom, we're here for a purpose. But it's better to be with the Lord. And so, as Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, comfort one another with these words, that we belong to him. I wanted to read from our larger catechism, question 85. It says, 
death being the wages of sin, why are not the righteous delivered from death, seeing all their sins are forgiven in Christ? In other words, if we're forgiven in Christ, then why do we still have to die? Why can't we just stay like Hezekiah, get 15 more years? Why can't we just keep going? This is the answer. The righteous shall be delivered from death itself at the last day, and even in death are delivered from the sting and curse of it, so that although they die, yet it is out of God's love to free them perfectly from sin and misery and to make them capable of further communion with Christ in glory, which they then enter upon. Why is it better What is the the advantage which we gain? It is to be with Christ in communion with him in glory. We're not looking for another 15 more years. We're looking for Christ and looking to be with him. And so, people of God, Hezekiah was looking toward the, the coming of the Messiah. Where is it that we are looking? Are we looking to the coming of the, of the Messiah? Or are we looking to ourselves? Are we looking to this earthly life which is passing away? Or to that which is to come? We have the promise of the resurrection as we trust in the work of Christ. So let us sing the words of Psalm 90, verses, or stanzas 6 through 9, as we contemplate these, the words of Moses, the man of God. Let's sing together. <clears throat> 